Welcome everyone to Rogue Table Talks. I am one of your hosts, not a co-host, but not a host. What do you what do you call that? Chad Myers, Mike, our other host. Uh, our other host. <laughs> we have a host and another host. Oh, yeah, that's it. One host yes. and the other and host. And the other host. And last week, uh, you were solo with me on our journey, and because uh, I was a Lone Ranger, and Mike was away for a little bit, but he's back. I'm back. The dynamic duo in tandem, Mike and Chad, Rogue Table Talks. I this went is Rogue from the Rogue Table Talks. <laughs> Double Rogue. Week. He went away. Yes. Uh, but he's back, and good news. And so we are, this is episode 444. Yes. Take away two of those fours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> episode four. And uh, we will be looking at a little bit of uh, David and his life, talking about insults and criticisms, uh, belittling, uh, all of course within the, within the uh, series uh, Elephants in the Living Room. So Mike, catch us up. What's up with the elephants in the living room? Kind of set the stage for us and uh, go for it. Well, we're looking at uh, a passage in 1 Samuel 16, uh, mainly 1 Samuel 17, uh, also where um, David is at first sort of ignored, disregarded, uh, Samuel shows up to select God's king, and all the all the sons are paraded, and not that not that one, not that one, not that one, and finally asked, "Are these all your sons?" And <laughs> well, there's just there's one, there's one other guy, you know, in the field, the youngest, uh, and that turns out to be the one rising and annoying him. Uh, that's the one, and and so that's the sense that David was. Uh, singled out, alienated, um, rejected. Uh, and he then, we see, we see that impact him and impact his relationship with his, with his brothers later. Uh, he references that in Psalm 69, that you know, he's a foreigner to his own family. Uh, and then uh, later uh, on the battlefield, he's going to visit his brothers and uh, the, the oldest brother who probably thought he should be the king. I mean, certainly probably thought he's more, more qualified than David. Eliab basically is like, what are you, what are you doing here? Yeah. You know, what's, you know, we're, go back to those few sheep in that lonely field. <laughs> yeah. That's the trash talk oh of, uh, yeah. uh, you how know, seated you are, how <laughs> wicked your heart is to think yeah. you even belong here. Uh, and this sense of what this happens in families where there's, there is rejection, there is belittling, there are insults mm -hmm. that happen. And, and, you know, this is, might be a heightened version of it, but maybe not for some people or mm. for some people, uh, they experience it in a different way, but I think it does work in most families. Just like all these elephants operate at some level, probably in every, every family. And how do you think, how does it operate? now i mean what are some ways in which it mm. operates in families now yeah that's a good question I, I you know i was you know what i was struck with immediately when you were talking about the passage almost as if uh samuel's words to jesse because you know samuel mm -hmm. wasn't uh malicious mm -hmm. when it, with this comment but mm -hmm. when he parades everyone in front of him i wonder if that is the tone for for david um for much of his yeah. you know next few years it's probably uh, not a one-off in a sense right. right but but this kind of sense that we can all feel it like okay is this it yeah like 
is this all you've got? Yeah. And that sense that, that probably that's the impact of what insults and belittlement do to us is it, it questions our, you know, it brings to surface our inadequacies mm-hmm. where the, the, it causes us to think about our own self in that way. Like, Oh, is yeah. this it? Yeah. Is this really all I've got? Yeah. And I just, it, it, it just struck me as like, I, th- I wonder if that's kind of, you know, the overlookedness yeah. of David, yeah. um, not even intending to, but, but back to your question, I think you said it, uh, it probably works both ways. There's explicit, you know, go back to those. That's the trash talk of mm-hmm. thousand yeah. BC, right. <laughs> you and the few right. sheep. Why don't you go back to your few sheep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine that on it. That's a, that's such a mean post <laughs> you and those few yeah. sheep. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think, so there's that there's the explicit I'm against you. I'm adversarial. Um, and those are almost Easy, they're easier to detect. Mm-hmm. They're almost easier to do something with because you readily recognize it. To me, in the family, it's um, the nonverbal belittlement. Mm-hmm. It's the look. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, you know, you, you spilled the milk or you broke the dishes and you get the look of, oh, no, mm-hmm. what did I just do? I yeah. broke some sacred rule in the home or right. whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we don't bring that kind of girl home or you, right. don't, you don't say that in front of grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. And it's the nonverbal, oh, mm-hmm. I should, you know, yeah. you did something right. there. Yeah, that, that happens probably all the time. Yeah. And, I, you know, so and that, that speaks to all of these sort of dynamics in the home that they're different than if you were it's somewhere in public and you know, the person at the, the restaurant table across the aisle from you spills their water or something and you've got an extra napkin. You go, Oh, let me help you do that. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. It's sure. sort of an easy, doesn't cost you anything politeness. It might not even be super genuine or whatever, but in the home, that's probably not how we react. It's like our truer self, our unguarded truer self is, like you were, you never pay attention. Yes. Like, are you? Do you not? Do you not know what you're doing half the time? Right. And we say some percentage of that out loud. Right. But even if we don't, to your point, it's like, all right, move over. You know, let me get. You know. Yeah. It's 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 the sigh. It's yeah. the ugh. Yeah. Like, do I have to tell you how to like right. drink your water so right. you don't, so, you yeah. know, it's that. Sippy cup. You need a sippy cup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I love that you bring that up because I don't think we want to see that so clearly. So we want to think of ourselves typically as who am I? Right. Well, I'm the nice guy yeah. in public being yeah. kind and patient. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's true. That's part of me, but I'm also the guy at home and I'm, saying things like how many times do I have to say this to you guys? Right. Right. This belittling thing. I do think we like to see ourselves through the, I mean, we don't want to see ourselves as the belittler in in, in any context. Like I don't do that. Uh, and so, but you know, we, what we then have to, we have to somehow put the onus on the other person then like, um, I was talking to, uh, someone a few years ago and they were basically just, kind of talking about difficulties in home life and whatever. And they're just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a patient person. Uh, I have patient, I'm kind, polite to people. I get along with it well with everybody, but in the home, I'm not like that at all. And, you know, I, 
it's well maybe that's who you really mm-hmm. are right and that's okay right i mean as we get to the gospel it's okay to admit of course i'm not mr nice and perfect all the time no nobody is and so then what do, how do i deal with the not nice and perfect me that emerges right um and i think sometimes if i know that let's say i'm i grew up in the church and i know that belittling is bad mm-hmm. right that's some value that i've it's been inculcated at some point so i won't maybe say anything but i'll sigh mm-hmm. or i'll i'll do other things that come across as belittling that i might not even be thinking of in that way yeah like the sort of under the surface belittling you know what i'm saying yeah totally yeah and i think you're right we we want to hide those from ourselves so maybe the elephant in the living room is just that is that we are starting to know ourselves not only as good Mm -hmm. because i think that's true about us because we're made in god's image but as fallen yeah as that we can be nice and we can be mean we can be patient and we can be impatient and jesus came to redeem the whole self right um and and i think until we can get in tune with ourselves as a sinner it's really difficult to know what grace is it's really difficult to even get some movement with these elephants in the family room yeah that that sorry elephants in the living room (laughs) family room living room we've said uh, i I, i've heard all of our talks this time we've said elephants elephants in the room it's just elephants you know that's the part so um yeah i think that that you know that the notion that we have all have these we've talked about this for all of these we all have these element elephants in some form or fashion and that what we like to do is you know label ourselves the good i'm basically the good person if there's a problem it's because you're and you're the bad person yeah. instead of i'm i'm i can be victim and i can be victimizer mm-hmm. and i can do in the same interaction right i can be victimized and i can victimize you yeah. in the same interaction and of course, I'm only going to notice one of those two, probably. Uh, and that might justify the other one if I notice it at all. In the sense that, you know, no, I do do this. And that in the question, not whether, but how and when right. and what's behind it. And what does that look like for me? And I think for some people to give themselves the permission for all of these to say, instead of, do I do this? But how do I do it? How does right. it come across to people? Right. Yeah, if we're if we can ask those questions uh, in this series, if we take it seriously and ask the question of like, what does this teach me about me? Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking at secrets or we're looking at insults or what, whatever it is we're you know talking about. Last week we talked about you know forgiveness and bitterness. Um, what is this revealing to me about me? And uh, can I accept that it might be true? I think is key is a key question for us. Can I accept uh, that I that it might be true? You know, I grew up in a home and there wasn't a lot of outright criticism. Um, I don't I don't remember ever being put down like you're so dumb or you're stupid mm-hmm. or you're mm-hmm. you know you can't you're so late or you're mm-hmm. late. I don't I didn't rem- I don't remember those things and I don't think they happened. Um, but there wasn't a lot of praise either. There it was just that was the environment we grew up in. It wasn't overly mm-hmm. encouraging explicitly. And um, uh, psychologists will tell you that, you know, when you have one compliment just for one criticism, uh, then you'll grow up 
you know, with some type of you know, a stance against yourself, mm-hmm. grow up hating yourself because uh, it takes the criticisms lodged deeply. And like we said, even if they're not verbal, mm-hmm. the look, the uh, sigh, the mm-hmm. hurry up, um, you know, whatever, um, those lodge very deeply. And so, you know, I came into being a parent and I thought, okay, you know, uh, reflecting upon my life and family of origin and uh, good and challenging things. And I thought, okay, well, I'm never going to, I'm never going to yell at my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we said that mm-hmm. I'm never going to raise my voice. I'm never going to be impatient <laughs> and, you know, be careful with the vows that you make. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'm never going to criticize. And, uh, we did great while they were infants <laughs> mm-hmm. before they could speak and walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah before yeah. they, before yeah. they could cause you to be late yeah. for your work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so now I have to look in the mirror and say, um, you know, Oh, I, this is me. Yeah. I can be the one who uses words to, to lodge yeah. insults and pain in that other yeah. person. Not just because I'm cruel. I don't think it's just that it's because I'm impatient. I want to motivate them. Hey, you, you got to get this thing done that I've asked yeah. you to get done. You haven't done it. Yeah. So da da da, yeah. you know, I'm stressed, whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. I think that for, I think that if we're, uh, if we're not really in touch with our own anger and frustration, and we don't give ourselves permission to say, this makes me angry, mm-hmm. which I think is a, is a perfectly fine thing for a parent to say to a child mm-hmm. or sure. for one person to say to any one person to say to another is right. that, that makes me angry that I feel disrespected when, you know, you, you know, you're making me late as if whatever, whatever that thing is, sometimes instead of doing that, we'll make snide comments, yeah. right? We'll snide, we'll judge, we'll sigh, we'll whatever. And, it would be much more healthy just to kind of pull it out and say, you know, this, you know, you're, I feel like you're, you're disregarding me. Mm-hmm. I feel like whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of doing that, we, or we push it down and say nothing mm-hmm. because I'm not going to raise my voice to my kids. Right. And then bloop, it comes out in five different ways that we're not even like, why did I say that? Well, probably traces back to some other thing. Yeah. You probably should have said, right. Right. Um, so let's talk about that for a little bit. Like, uh, how do parents um, belittle their kids? How can a parent belittle their kids in ways in which they're maybe not aware? Hmm. Like, what do you think about that? Oh, What comes across as belittling from the child's point of view that may not be meant as belittling yeah. from the parent's point of view? That's a really good question. Um, I think different parents... Uh, have different techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that comes to mind is just in general, not getting in that child's uh, unique world. So if if this, you know, we have four kids and the youngest one is really good at tying her shoes. Um, but the other kids weren't always good at tying their shoes. And we have one child that she she is off in the clouds half the time. And you say, hey, it's time to go. And she hears you and says, okay. And then two minutes later, she's tinkering on the piano or Mm -hmm. something. Um, And if I treat one kid with the temperament Mm -hmm. that they have Mm -hmm. and expect that to to translate to the other kid, Mm -hmm. it can be a belittling. So if one of your kids did that, it would probably be a more overt rejection of your authority because it's a conscious decision to not be ready, whatever, whatever. But when another kid does it, it's just sort of, they're spacey. That's okay. great. That's, that's wonderful. Exactly. One kid may be doing it to, to push me right, or to push the parents or something. But one kid, it's 
they're not intentionally mm-hmm. doing anything. Mm-hmm. They gen- genuinely mean well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just get right. lost on the right. way. <laughs> right. And then you get upset with them and their feelings are genuine. Like I didn't mean yes. to do anything. Yes. And now I'm, you know, catching this. Yeah. This, uh, um, I do think one, um, if I'm afraid of my child's failure or disappointment or any bad consequence happening, then I can be constantly correcting, uh, micromanaging, mm-hmm. and that can come across as belittling. That's great. Right? Because yeah. um, it just takes away agency. It takes away, you know, like you are, I'm not, I, deep down, I don't think you can handle it. Mm. Deep down, I, I'm afraid of what will happen if I leave it up to you. Instead of saying, well, you know, you know, you, you got a helmet on. If the bike falls over, the, it's okay. You right. Get back up. This, you know, these things happen in life. Uh, and, and logically, we know we can't keep bad things from happening to children because we live in a, you know, fallen world. But, you know, part of that, if, I, if I'm just so, I can't, I don't pull that anxiety out and look at it, then I can, uh, don't, okay, don't, you, you can't do that. But it, and it feels mm. belittling. And it's meant, in a sense, to protect, but it's coming across all wrong. And it's really an expression of my anxiety. Yeah, so that's an interesting observation. So it sounds like you're saying belittling can occur in the attempt to keep the child little, yeah, so to speak. Right. It's not just, I'm right. not being mean with my words or da-da-da. Yeah. It's this, oh, I have to protect them at all costs. That's my role. I have to be the adult. Yeah. I can't let you fall. Right. I can't let you fail. Right. And really it's usually about right. me. Yeah. I can't handle that I, pain. Maybe I want to feel like you desperately need me. Hmm. So I'm going to put you in that position all the time. Yeah. Well, how does that, how is that experienced by the child? Um, oh, somebody, I was, that just reminds me, I was talking to somebody the other day and they, they called it, you know, the term helicopter parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's all these other terms floating right. around, all right. these labels. Uh, somebody called it snowplow parents. Mm-hmm. Like you go ahead of your right. kid in the hard yeah. weather right. and you pave the yeah. way for them yeah. so that, um, right. and you're saying, which I think is just a really interesting way to talk about it, that that's a way of belittling yeah. somebody. Yeah. Cause they can't, they can't shovel their own snow. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's part of the message they're going to hear is I don't, you know, I need my parent to do that for me, or I need somebody, or it could be an older brother, younger, you know, older sibling, younger sibling, like I need to stay in this role. And, you know, I was in the middle. So I remember feeling a little bit of that where uh, sometimes older siblings would be surprised at something I did when I'm 30 something. I'm like, I'm, I'm grown up now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. I'm not the little, <laughs> I mean, I'm a little brother, but I'm not a little kid anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, shouldn't be that surprising. Because there's some of that that's, you know, those roles kind of get embraced as identity, Mm -hmm. right? That Mm -hmm. I'm always the kid. I'm always the whatever. Uh, And so that's, you know, as, as an, as now I have adult children and that's a, a, a difficult dance is how, you know, what does parenting of adult children mean without coming across as you gotta do this and you gotta do that. And you remember to this, remember to Mm -hmm. that. Uh, and really what they need to do is have you be there for when things go wrong. Yeah. There's like an evolution to relationship as you're with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you, you, to, to sum that kind of your, your point up, it feels like 
belittling can be as unique as uh, who you are. It can take on a myriad of different strategies, right. templates, blah, blah, blah. But the, the impact of the, the insults or the looks or like you were saying, like the, um, la- the taking away agency from the child yeah. to grow up, the impact of that is all the same. And it's to keep you small. Yeah. It is to make you feel small yeah. and, or to keep you feeling small so that the belittler can continue to feel big. That's what I would argue. Yes, I think that's right. And I think part of that can come from my own sense of identity, false you know, sense of my own identity, that I've got to be this person for you. And so I need you to be this person so I can be the person I feel like I need to be. Uh, and maybe sometimes it's just fear that I don't want to believe, I, that I want to believe that if we do everything right, only good things will happen. Mm-hmm. And so let's be super anxious about doing everything right. And I feel like sometimes then, I mean, that there's sort of the natural consequences form of belittling then where, you know, you know, well, you know, if you practice more, maybe you wouldn't strike out or, right. I mean, I guess if you studied a little more, you might get an A. Yes. You know, it's just, it's, you know, natural consequences is, is a fine form of parenting. But if you kind of lean on it as a way of saying, if you would have done more, then a bad thing wouldn't have happened, yeah. which isn't always true. Now, if the kid didn't study at all, I would contend if the kid didn't study at all and gets a D, you probably just, you know, do you feel like you studied as much as you should have? No. Okay. Well, you don't need to say much more. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I think, you know it, but if the child did study and got a D, then it could be there's some other issue that you actually need to be helped. You need to be a parent with, like what else is going on or something. Um, but I feel like, why am I so worried about preventing failure? Mm. You know, why am I? And so, hey, natural consequences. If you had just done this, then better things would have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that then gets internalized that everything I don't have is my fault. Yeah. I don't have a girlfriend because I'm not this and I don't get A's. I didn't make the team. It's all because I didn't do enough. I didn't try hard enough. I didn't practice enough. And that how, how little that makes me then feel, right? It's belittling. It's belittling. It's and it, and it's, it's goal is to keep you there. Yeah. Even if you're 50, if you've been belittled, the goal is to keep you feeling small and living small, I would say living small. And, 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 you know, we're talking in the living room and we're talking specifically right now at parents and about parents, because there is a power dynamic here. Mm -hmm. There's a power dynamic for I'm big, you're not. So I can belittle you. Usually the child is not belittling the parent. Yeah. It can take different forms. The, the older sibling might be belittling the other siblings. Maybe the younger sibling is more, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of adversarial and the oldest siblings sensitive, Mm -hmm. but it's typically the person who has the authority or the power in the room. Right. Uh, that is often, uh, and that's just key even for us to pay attention to. Am I that person? in the room. Yeah. So is this operating in me somewhere? Mm-hmm. I have the right. potential to be a, I don't a, think we always want to be aware of the power dynamic. If we are the ones holding the yeah, power. That's good. Right. Yeah. So then, okay, let's talk about marriage then briefly. Um, 
because I've heard this can happen in some marriage. But yeah, let's sum up marriage in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard rumors too. I don't, yeah. I've heard it's out there. People call in. It's out there in the world. Um, So how does, how do spouses, I mean, some of the, some of these same things of course happen between spouses. Sure. Uh, But how, how might that play out? Do you feel like in, in a marriage relationship or how might it be the same or different? Ooh, that is a, well, that's a zinger of a question. Mm-hmm. In some senses, uh, my, my first gut answer would be it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. There is a person in the dynamic in the marriage that needs to feel more powerful than the other person. And maybe the other person even got into the arrangement because of mm-hmm. that. They, right. they I need you to be the right. Person. I need you to tell yeah. some people like the script. Yeah. Some people like right. the rules. Some people right. feel really good when you tell them exactly or if they, what to even do. if they don't like the script, if they never really resolved that script, you're bound to sort of repeat it anyway. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's, that's what you think life is yeah. that, you know, this is what I grew up with. I'm going to find someone who's going to, who does the same thing. Even if I hate it, mm-hmm. it's, you know, that's the same sort of thing that can happen. Do you feel like, you know, because it can happen in both directions. I think so. Like, so that now, now if one spouse begins to feel powerless, they might begin to belittle in a different way. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's almost asking the question, like, what is the, um, you know, each culture has a certain language. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the linguistics in this culture in our marriage? Mm-hmm. And what's the tone? Is it that's how we get heard? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I attack you. Mm-hmm. Um, I insult you. I beat you down. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you didn't have, I expected you to do something today because you should have known how hard of a day I had yeah. and you didn't. Right. And I come home right. to this or whatever it might be. So then I belittle you, but I'm just speaking out of my stress, mm-hmm. whatever that might yeah. be. And instead of just, again, naming it, mm-hmm. Uh, or if it's, you know, there's a bunch of stuff I want done and you're going to go, you know, hang out with your friends or something. Uh, and you know, again, instead of naming that and saying, you know, that frustrates me or when are we going to do these things? It's like, Oh, okay. So that's what you're going to do tonight. Yeah. Right. Right. Or, you know, whatever the, no, it's great. It's a little sort of subtle and that's what we get. You know, there's a language that's developed. So that's basically I'm, I'm disapproving of this action without saying it. And then, then the other person can either over respond or say, yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) And then just, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, let's, I'm going to self-righteously ignore whatever you just baited me into. (laughs) But I think that's true to me. uh, That's really good. All of it reveals some type of genuine, um, of, you know, worthy of being validated type of emotion Mm -hmm. underneath. Yeah. Right. It's just that when we got to actually talk about it, we used passive aggression, Mm -hmm. uh, straight up, you know, attacker aggression, um, sarcasm, you know, all of manipulative tools that we do, uh, which is some type of insult as opposed to, uh, you know what? I kind of feel disrespected that we had talked about doing this today and we, I feel like you never got around to it. So can we talk about that? Mm -hmm. Those are, those are harder conversations. Uh, those keep the heart open. It's mm-hmm. easier to just, to, you know, jab. 
right. and start a war. <laughs> right. Because we maybe we're afraid of the answer. Yeah. We're afraid of what the answer might be. So there's, you know, responses to being uh, belittled. We talked about that a little bit, you know, uh, silence, distance, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. withdrawal, non-response. Uh, sometimes maybe I'm going to get there first, right? I'm going to. I'm going to take the first shot mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. I get out in front of it. Um, and then sometimes what can happen in families, uh, I think is factions can form. Like I'm going to recruit you in my belittling of another family member. Yes. You're going to recruit me. Yes. Uh, because it makes me feel more justified, better. Like, you know, right. You see this, right. We all see this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the water cooler complaining in the office is it's still the pastime in the family. Yeah. Right. Hey, well, we talk about the, you know, the younger sister who never comes to the family gatherings and how much everybody gets frustrated about that. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, mm-hmm. we belittle them behind their back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think that that that's mm-hmm. there as well. This is not in the living room, but how do you think it seems to me social media and belittling uh can go together sometimes mm. like that there's a language of social media that maybe reveals something about us that relates to like where is that coming from you know mm. the sense of being little so i belittle uh you know that it's us against them the factionalization uh all of this sort of you know uh nasty interchange that can happen uh in, you know, once you, you remove all, you say, you add anonymity, remove all sanctions and let people say what they really feel. And a lot of ugly stuff can come out. Yeah. Um, and I think that ugly stuff is there in the family. It just comes out in different ways. Sometimes it might come out undiluted in full strength in different homes. But, um, and so I think if that's, that's you and you're sort of into that world of back and forth, not super constructive on social media you might want to think about what is that what is that about and then where else in my life is this coming out because yeah. it's probably not contained to this yeah what do i what do i need from this interaction is this is is this normal for me to post or to say something mm-hmm. that is intentionally you yeah. know isolating belittling mm-hmm. labeling name calling whatever it is it reminds me of two things, and I think um, I say this, I do mean this gracious as possible, is it feels like the culture is stuck in an adolescent stage, yeah. that we haven't really moved beyond, you know what it felt like to fight in sixth and seventh grade. What it yeah. felt like to right. argue is you're just, you're going for it. You don't right. have the filter. You're, if you get in an argument and a name call and people are rude and whatever, it feels very much like we're stuck in that adolescent stage. Um, and then the virtue of authenticity that we have elevated to a place of virtue, uh, it's a double-edged sword for me because sometimes I'm so tricky that I'm going to say what I want to say in the name of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's very speaking the truth and love, brother. speaking the truth in love, yeah. but the reality is it's very unloving. Right. It can it may be not very even be true. It's I mean, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Yeah, that there's person, one thing yeah, true in that sure, statement. I'm, speaking. I'm talking. Yeah, uh, but it's 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 oh, I can say what I want because that's a virtue. But there is no virtue that outtrumps love. Mm-hmm. There really isn't. So if it's me being honest, but it's cruel, mm-hmm. that's that's not loving. So let's talk about. Um, 
gospel moves, like what is a gospel movement uh, in response to belittling or what, you know, what gospel movements dilute it or redeem it or Mm. get around it or ahead of it? Yeah. Why don't you, yeah, let's maybe two, two top two sections here on this one. I'm thinking of if you recognize you're the belittler. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Or you're, or you're the belittled. Yeah. Let me talk yeah. to the belittled. Yeah. And then you come yeah. and take the other one. I, and this, to me, this is, um, this is a hard move. This is potentially a, a harder move. I don't know if that's even helpful to compare. But uh, if you have been the person, and we all have probably to some degree, that we've been made to feel small, um, and I'm not talking to you know twelve year olds right now. I'm talking to people who've grown up out of their house. They're you know um, you know they're starting a career, single, or they're starting a family, or they're at, been at that for a while. If someone can make you feel small, but right now it's your choice to stay there. Mm-hmm. You may have been made to feel very, very small, but the gospel invitation to you, and we're throwing this word around and I, I really like it, is you have to take agency in your life right now. And it's really hard and it can be very painful, but the gospel invitation to you lovingly is to grow up. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't have to stay there anymore. You were made to feel small. I get it. I feel it. I understand it. And yet you have to meet the grownups in your life eye to eye. Um, I don't exactly know how all that's going to look for people, uh, but at least the conversation of, okay, I don't want to play the victim anymore. I can blame them. Mm-hmm. I can fault them. Well, let's acknowledge the pain. Let's validate it, hear it, and then let's take agency. Okay, I don't have to be small anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I want to grow up. So I think that's one move for the belittler. That's mm-hmm. the, the, the good news of Jesus says that I love you enough to not leave you as, mm-hmm. as this child. Yeah. And that might be, I mean, what you're saying is not some, you know, something you just snap your fingers and do. Sure. Uh, it might be a lifelong process, but the key to starting that process is I don't have to stay. I mean, my ch- staying here is my choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, it's the, it's the choice that has inertia on its side. And it's the choice that might be the easy, but no choice is a choice here. I'm choosing to stay here and identify, uh, with that and to move against it might take a long time. You might need to get help. You might need to have confidants and uh, counselors and so forth and so on. Uh, and it might, again, it might take a long time, Mm -hmm. uh, but nobody can do that for you. Nobody can start that process for you. Uh, you have to sort of take agency. And I think for me, there's this sense of in that movement in my life, and you might want to reflect on it in yours as well, because we've all been there to some degree. You know, what does it mean to be adopted into this new family of, you know, God's family? What does it mean to be in this new family in, in, uh, that will ultimately be a place where there will be no ability? And that we are to model that now. And I'm, you know, I'm supposed to identify with that now that, you know, God is my father and, you know, Christ, if you will, is my elder brother in this family uh, and where I'm adopted in and uh, he never belittles. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, can I embrace that? And that that's the more that can become my identity in my own self-conception, the more I'm able to look people in the eye. Mm. Right. Because I don't look people in the eye. 
because I feel like maybe some of that belittling was right. You know, maybe there was, maybe they had a point. Maybe I never will amount to anything, or maybe I'm always going to need help or something. And you no, know, this is what Christ says about me. And so I have to kind of move into that. And that's an act of faith. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a magical incantation, but it's really just an act of faith that you have to live out day by day, week by week, month by month. Um, so I think for, I don't know about how you've experienced that journey that you're identifying or how, if you can reflect on that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm reminded of something uh, I heard the other day, and I'll get to that quickly, but I'm reminded of something uh, that I think is true, and, uh, and it's something like this, that uh, history favors the underdogs. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it was an example of um, Pixar when they were making... Uh, the Incredibles movies mm -hmm. that no one had done animation like that, mm -hmm. especially with the hair mm -hmm. and they couldn't get the hair right. Mm -hmm. And, but the timeline, the timeline kept shrinking mm -hmm. for them and the expectations doubled. And so what they used to motivate each other was that was the doubt. People don't think we can do right. this right. in this timeline. Mm -hmm. And they all felt like they were underdogs. And so I'm, 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 gonna, I'm thinking of that in some sense, we've all, we all can probably identify as being the underdog. We feel like, you know, we're called to something bigger than ourselves to grow up. It's hard. And then I'm thinking of this, the passage at the end of the Beatitudes of, you know, when you, when you experience insults mm -hmm. and when you experience um, right. belittling and uh, as Christians, it doesn't just have to be because you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. It can just be when you experience this, mm -hmm. like rejoice. Mm -hmm. Why would you rejoice? Um, and I think part of it is because it's an identification with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. And we experienced all of that. Yes. It's us. an identification yeah. with the Son of God that we share in his sufferings. There's right. another New Testament uh, reference. We share in his sufferings. And, uh, and, and in every sense, he's, he's identifying with us, as yeah. you said. Yeah. Um, and so those two things come to mind in my own journey of everyone can have similar experiences, but what kind of sets us apart in our growth process is how do you, how do you use that to your advantage mm -hmm. instead of staying stuck? Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about saying, well, I can't do it. Look what happened to me mm -hmm. as opposed to look what happened to me and right. it's going to fuel me. Yeah. Again, I think that's an act of faith as well. All of this is an act of faith that Christ wants to redeem. Christ doesn't want to leave me here. I can identify with him. Um, let me speak for uh, a minute or two on the belittler. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think if, you're, if that's your move and you can sort of be honest and recognize the times when you do that, it's all of our moves. I should probably say it that way. When, how do we, when do I do that and why? I think one of the things we've said is that probably comes from a place of feeling little myself or yeah. out of control or fearful or anxious. And I'm trying to regain control over the situation, uh, maybe for what I feel like is a good outcome, or maybe it's just a response from my littleness that I want, I want to belittle. Uh, and I think what we can do, you know, uh, so it's Ephesians 4.29, you know, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. And I think that what we can kind of do, what I can kind of do, yeah, I mean, unless you're right, I mean, unless you have a point, right. unless it's biblical, right? you know, <laughs> yes. you know, unless, right? Yes. Uh, unless your theology is correct. <laughs> sure. 
you know, then you can say anything you want. Yeah. And that's sort of, we give ourselves permission to be superior, condescending, patronizing, because we're right. It, assuming we are right, and we may not be. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you know, doesn't say that. Because Jesus was always right, mm-hmm. but he was never belittling. Mm-hmm. Even when he spoke harshly uh, to the Pharisees, he sort of looked them in the eye and said, you know, you are whitewashed tombs here. Mm-hmm. And, it's a, it, you know, he's not saying it as a, it be, can become a condemnation if there's no response. Yeah. But he's not saying it as a condemnation. He's saying it as an invitation. Yeah. You know, when he tells the parable of the, of the lost son, he's talking to a Pharisee and he's inviting him into the party of grace. Now, it can be a condemnation if he rejects it, yeah. but it's a self-condemnation in response to the gospel. And so I think that's, you know, what, when am I ever in a legitimate place to make someone else feel little? I don't think ever. And yet I can kind of justify it in ways if I'm not thinking about it. Uh, so again, if it's the question of how do I do this, what does it look like when I do it? Yeah. Uh, and I, t- I mean, I've had people tell me that in ways that, I mean, not in so many words, but, you know, Mike, you can be intimidating sometimes. Um, okay, well, I don't, don't always know what that means, but it means something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it probably means something that I'm doing in order to get something, probably, yeah. that I want. Um, and so what is, you know, the, the question then is, my gospel move is to say, what is that? And why is that? Uh, and it doesn't mean I'm 100% at fault for whatever that is, but to actually take it out of like, what am I leaning on that? Am I leaning on this to get something or to manipulate or to control? Uh, uh, and if so, you know, what do I need to do? I don't need to respond. Like, again, as you said to the belittled, I don't need to stay here. Yeah. Even though it might feel like it's working or it might feel good. Hmm. I don't need to stay here because I recognize it actually isn't good. Hmm. And the feeling is is going to backfire yeah, on me. Yeah, that 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 very interesting to me. The transition, if I'm a belittler and I am, the transition to let that go can be very panicky. Because yeah, I'm using it for something. Because right? I'm right. I'm I'm getting a need met. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel in control. I feel superior. I feel smart. Mm-hmm. I feel competent. Mm-hmm. And the minute I start to let those, the belittling and the insults and the power over go, then it's going to invite me into deeper places that I probably haven't wrestled with Mm -hmm. yet that Mm -hmm. are those questions. But at the same time, there's a freedom in, I don't really have to do, I don't have to be that person. I don't have to be in control. I don't have to be right. I can say, I don't know. I can say you can do it your way, you Mm -hmm. know? And there's a, there's a freedom to that that we'll only really discover when we embrace the fear of letting the belittling go, right? Yeah, and I think that's, I honestly think that is so good it has to be true. The, and it feels like Exodus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It feels like not brick and mortar taskmasters mm-hmm. of control, mm-hmm. domination, like 
it makes us feel powerful, but it makes us miserable. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not uh, right. imitation of Jesus, but Exodus moving out of those places is to, is to wide open wilderness journeys. Yeah, it's scary. It is scary. And, and the wilderness, and what do we do there? Yeah, right. What do we do? I don't and know. What are we going to eat? What are we gonna <laughs> but that's yeah. the brilliance. It's right. the journey's the point. Yeah. The journey out is the point. Yeah. Get out of there. <laughs> right. And that all I have is God to lean on yeah. and to rely on, to bring, to feed and to, and to take care of me. Um, all right. Well, that um, we're, we'll, we'll close our treatise on belittlement and rejection. Do you know what are we doing next time? Next week? Oh, it's a great one. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for this? I'm ready. It is control and, and uh, manipulation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I don't know much about that, so you'll have to. Yeah, have I'm going to gonna have, I'm gonna get some outside <laughs> okay, team yes. research on that <laughs> one. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to uh, we'll sign off. We'll see you next uh, week, and we'll continue slaying these elephants that are in our living room, uh, and we'll continue moving towards the gospel. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.